Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Investment News Podcast. This is your host, Investment News reporter and senior columnist, Bruce Kelly, coming at you. We're still in the dog days of August, which is kind of fun and exciting. There's been a lot going on in the wealth management business uh, these days, which is surprising for August. And um, before we get started, I just want to thank our sponsor for this week, Charles Schwab Asset Management. And um, then I, I, right now, I just want to introduce our two guests, two great guys. Um, most people in the business know or know of, and I've had the pleasure of knowing these guys for a very long time. Ron Carson, founder and CEO of the Carson Group, and John Fury, managing partner, advisor, growth strategies. Welcome, gentlemen. How is everyone doing today? Doing great. Good doing great with you, Bruce. Yeah, really nice. Just melting here in Omaha. I think the heat index is 117 right now. <laughs> yeah, there is no to beat. <laughs> so I'm in Manhattan. Ron, you're in Omaha, Nebraska. And John, you're in Phoenix. Yes. Okay. I think I think I got the nicest end of that deal. For sure. Right. I think it's headed your way, Bruce, because we've had beautiful matter of fact, two days ago it was chilly in the morning. You had to wear a sweater. And it's going to be low 80s again in like three days. So it's out of your way. <laughs> well, I, I look forward to that. <laughs> Manhattan in the summertime. It's, it's, it's lovely, as everyone knows. Okay, thank you guys very much, Ron. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and Carson Wealth. Thanks a lot, Bruce. Um, yeah, CEO and founder of, uh, of Carson Group. We are a $30 billion um, RIA located in Omaha, Nebraska. We also have um, a coaching group, which was founded in 1993, and Carson Group uh, was founded in 1983. Right, but you have offices uh, all over the country, right? We, we do. Yeah, yeah, we do. We're growing. We're, we're, so we're having our biggest year ever this year. Um, we've, uh, we've brought eight to just north of $8 billion um, in into the organization, and uh, and we're 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 not only having our best year uh, asset wise, but we're having our best year uh, in a lot of different ways. You know, we're our pipeline is as big as it's ever been, and enthusiasm around you know not just joining Carson, but just joining somebody um, is is the highest I've ever seen it. You know, my my forty one year history. Okay, that's great. And John, uh, j just tell tell us uh, about yourself and your business, please. Sure. Advisor Growth uh, Strategy. Happy to do it. Uh, John Fury, Managing Partner of Advisor Growth Strategies. I started the company in 2009. Uh, fast forward to today, we have uh, 11 people on the team. We've worked with over 350 registered investment advisors. There's some we're super proud of and you're representing the addressable market about 20% of all assets in the channel, in the RIA channel. The work that we do for advisors is helping them form independent firms, just like the Carson Group. You know, so think early days in you know starting wealth management firm, and then we do consulting for them, usually related to business structure, business strategy, how to pay people, how to build next gen equity programs, succession planning, things like that. And then we are also active in mergers and acquisitions, which is you know very dynamic right now. So happy to be here with you, Bruce. Right. So you've been pretty busy these days, I would imagine. 
Yeah, I mean, we, uh, you know, experiencing the same effect as Carson Group. Um, you know, we were, you know, we're very blessed. We were a COVID beneficiary. Our business has essentially doubled in the past couple of years. And, you know, the work we're, we're doing with M&A is certainly driving it. So, you know, our team's doing great. We have a dynamic team that's, you know, dedicated and committed to helping out the ecosystem. And when you say e- ecosystem, what do you mean? Oh, I mean um, our clients, which would be traditionally registered investment advisors, but we also work with family offices and also advisors in in transitions. So, um, yeah, we're we're you know proud of the work we're doing. You know, this year we we'll ex- we expect to do at least uh, probably in around fifteen M and A transactions and consulting work, or probably fifty engagement. So we're busy right now. I know Ron has been doing this forever in a day. Uh, right, Ron? Starting back in the, what, 80s? Yeah, 1983. Right. Yep. S- selling insurance out of the back of your car, right? Out of my dorm room. Out of your dorm yeah. room. Yep. <laughs> and the back of my car. And the, ba- and, and the back of your car. That was your office. Uh, so, you know, I love those kinds of stories. John, how long have you, have has Advisor Growth Strategies been around? How long have you been doing that? And how did you uh, get there? Yeah, so origin story for me, I, I um, started the industry in and around, geez, 1994. I worked in New York um, for a bit, see your backyard there, Bruce. And then um, I worked for Charles Schwab, our sponsor today. I had a career there for 15 years and then um, started Advised Growth. And we, we've we been working at it ever since. So Advised Growth forms about 14 years ago now. Yeah, it's amazing the amount of people who've been through Charles Schwab or Fidelity or Merrill Lynch or LPL, right, in the industry. It seems like everybody who's who's gotten somewhere has worked at worked at one time or another in the formative years at, at one of those places. Yeah, I mean, Ron can certainly speak to LPL a little bit more than me, but for sure. I mean, there's uh, you know, there's alumni that have come out of that, and I think it's a really good you know training proving ground great place to build an executive type career. But I could assure you, Bruce, I'm having way more fun um, managing and leading, you know, a small business that I feel is making a big impact. I think Ron was was pouring the drinks at the pool party uh, with Todd Robinson back in the day. Ron, isn't that true? Or Oh my gosh, Bruce. Yeah. If you want to really go back in 1989, <laughs> I joined L or what was then private ledger. Right. And we had a incentive trip to um, California or to Hawaii, and only nineteen people were there. And the and we had a we had an overhead. Remember, we had these those transparencies you put on a projector. Yeah, so sure. that was a half a day. And then we they got a we drank beer in the swimming pool, and that was the other half a day. And then the rest was our own free time. Nineteen people. <laughs> Little different these days, right? It is. Yeah. 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 I like the overhead transparency. That's high tech stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you guys make of the, uh, before we get into what this, this, this uh, piece that you recently wrote, um, which I want to talk about, what do you make of the, this, if anything, of the Goldman Sachs decision here this week to come out and say they're considering or exploring the potential to sell the old United Capital business, which I think they call personal financial management internally at Goldman Sachs. Now these big firms have these, have these wonky type names. I can never get straight. They just bought this, uh, Goldman just bought this from, uh, Joe Duran and the other partners over at United Capital in 2019. 
they paid seven hundred fifty million uh, for it. Um, I was looking at one analyst's note today. You know, he was saying if uh, you know if if you're gonna willing to pay six to eight times it'd be to offer this thing, you could get two hundred and seventy or three hundred and fifty million dollars for it. That would be the price tag. That would be a, a kind of a if if that happens, that would be a big come down for Goldman, obviously. But it seems like Goldman is just throwing up its hands when it comes to the more, uh, you know, the mass affluent uh, high net worth marketplace and going back to focusing on the super rich. Any reaction? Ron, you want first crack at it? <laughs> I'm happy to go give it a go here. Yeah, I'll just, uh, just a brief comment on that, Bruce. Like, you know, Goldman Sachs has always had such a reputation for handling um, the very high net worth and, and, you know, and at Carson, we do both, right? We, we have many billionaires that we, uh, we take care of, uh, but also just the bread and butter, you know, people just getting started and technology has really enabled us to do a great job for both. I think for them, they look, my guess is, I don't know, is it, wow, this is all, this isn't as easy as we thought. And the brand probably didn't translate as powerfully as they thought to Main Street, you know, from the ivory tower. And, uh, and I think it's those are two, we've learned at least, are two entirely different markets. There's some commonality, but there's a lot of differences. Schwab Asset Management is proud to sponsor the Investment News Podcast. In today's complex world, Schwab Asset Management provides a simple, straightforward approach to investing. Their focused lineup of ETFs includes low-cost, market-cap, equity index ETFs, and fixed-income ETFs. Their bond ETF offerings provide clients with a wider range of low-cost choices for strengthening the diversity of their portfolios. These funds also have the potential to provide tax efficiency, liquidity, and transparency. As one of the largest and most experienced asset managers, Schwab Asset Management is committed to delivering exceptional experiences to investors and the financial professionals who serve them. Learn more at schwabassetmanagement.com forward slash ETFs. That's schwabassetmanagement.com forward slash ETFs. Yeah, I would add to that, Bruce. I, you know, I think, you know, time goes by, I think probably in the moment, when they bought United Capital, Goldman had this belief, probably with a lot of conviction, that you know maybe we could scale our advice, our product to that segment, and it maybe maybe it made a lot of sense. But you know, all all M and A goes through through integration, and I think what wound up happening is through the in, the integration, they probably came to the conclusion that is what Ron said. It was hard to, you know, maybe serve multiple channels. And frankly, even though they paid, you know, material amount of, of uh, money, material of in investment for United Capital, I mean, and, and who knows what the valuation will be, right? If they, they put it out to marketing and consummate a transaction. In the big scheme of things for Goldman, it's still a blip on the radar. So I think we have to keep it in perspective I think the other thing is, you know, the the strategy, they're building an RA custody platform, right? So, you know, maybe that's how they want to address the channel is is to do the custody work. So I, I just think the Goldman strategy is evolving. That's the reality. Yes, they've said publicly that they want to focus on 
you know, their asset management business, uh, you know, which is actively managed, you know, funds and investment vehicles and the like and custody for investment advisors. Um, yeah, it was always a curious fit to me. I didn't necessarily kind of, you know, once they bought it, they didn't seem to, once Goldman bought United Capital, it just seemed to kind of go into a, a bit of a black hole for me. Um, and I, you know, I, where was it? What was it doing? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, Bruce, so, I, I, so, I, I think that's right. I mean, you know, when I thought of it, it's like, well, why in the world would you do that? And, you know, for me, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like a venture sleep where, you know, the, the dispersion of outcome could have been great or it could have been horrible. And, you know, I would imagine they got a lot of learning from it, which is honing the focus. So, you know. And who knows, they might, you know, you might learn from your mistakes and go back in and try to do another type of an acquisition and for an RIA acquisition or the wealth management business in the future, because you do learn from your mistakes, right? Agreed. Yeah. Okay, great. So you guys co-wrote something recently, and I just wanted to ask, ask a, a bit about that. And it touches upon a, a lot of different things, but what interested me was the nature of, you know, you you guys at team were trying to get into a, a financial advisor's minds or the mindset of the advisor a little bit right now. And so if you could talk about that, that would be great. Hey, John, do you mind if I just take a quick step back and just talk a little bit about our meeting in Nassau? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a good segue yeah. into this, Bruce, is that I was traveling. Um, we had our, John and I and a group of just amazing advisors founded ARIA 11 years ago, or is it 12 years ago now, John? It's um, almost 12. Yeah. <laughs> almost 12. And and I really, and I think the group had sensed, uh, you know, my interest was in um, really helping advisors in a different way. And that was, and I had gone to NASA and said, guys, I love you, but I'm really trying to free some of my time up. And I really want to spend my time helping advisors and others move from this where I was operating from, you know, for most of my life up until probably about eight years ago, maybe nine, right after my mother died, um, from this fear and scarcity mindset, you know, fear of, you know, not having uh, enough um, and a fear of a lot of things. You know, a lot of people have fear of you know, not being loved or relationships or whatever it is, but it drove me. It drove me in this insane pace. You know, basically I was running a 100-yard a, a dash for most of my life and kept thinking the next thing, the next number, the next goal was going to provide happiness and it never did, but I didn't know how to get off of it. And I ran into a, a mentor of mine who really helped me, you know, find some happiness. And I realized as I talk to more and more business owners, a lot of them are operating. Matter of fact, when I was at um, Tiburon in, in uh, Boston last fall, I had you know a very well-known person reach out to me and say, can I have lunch? And then I, and I just described you know, why I was spending more time on doing this, really mentoring, coaching. And he goes, that's exactly why I wanted to meet with you. Is you know I've got enormous resources, but I don't have a lot of joy and happiness. And and what I also found out when I was able to shift my operating system from fear of scarcity, just this to true love, abundance, and just awe of living, that the way I wanted to spend my time dramatically changed. I love running Carson. I love the strategy around that. I brought Bert White in. He's been amazing 
addition to to the team to really let me focus more on you know where Carson is going to be in the next next you know out there two and three years from now. And I shared that with uh, with the group, and then John had said, you know, I I'm really operating much the same way. You know, would you like to would you like to co-author a piece? John, I'll turn it to you now. So hold, hold just hold, hold on a second. Yeah. So Ron, that's a lot to unpack. So what what triggered this? Did you have some kind of? Uh, I'm very sad to hear about your mother, uh, of course. You know, but was that a catalyst? And did that make you say? When did that happen? And or yeah. when did this all happen? And was it, that the event that made you say, "Hey, I got to slow down and change"? Yeah, it was a you know, it was a proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. I was already when really was that, not Ron? happy. I was drinking a lot, and I don't drink today. And I, you know, I don't. I, I could go without it, but I was like, and Jeannie and I both, you know, we would at night we would drink, and um, pretty much every night, and. Um, uh, but when my mom died, you know, that was one person in the world I knew I could go to no matter what. And there was just this unconditional love. And Jeannie and I just celebrated 41 years together, August 15th, but we were separated. Thank you. For three years, right after my mom passed. And it was really self-discovery for both of us. Because I, I think from the outside looking in and, you know, people would think, oh, my God, he's got, you know, he's got this, he's got that. He must be the happiest man on the planet. I didn't you have a jet. React. I got a jet. I had whatever. Um, and How can uh, you be unhappy if you had a jet? Ron? Yeah. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of people with a lot of shit that aren't happy at all. Yes. I'm meeting a lot of them today. Well, we're getting kind of we're kind of getting open and real here. I didn't know. It's yeah. Like this. This is. Yeah. This is, this is fascinating. John, you know, what? and Bruce, to that point, that's the only way I know to be today. I don't have you know some other. Uh, persona that I want to pretend to be, you know, you see me and John can probably appreciate this having known me for a long time that I'm pretty genuine and, you know, and probably to some people's, you know, dissatisfaction, they wish maybe I keep everything to myself, but I'm pretty much an open book these days. Huh? Well, I always thought you were before. So uh, (laughs) 20 years ago when we first met or 15 years ago, whatever we first met. So I guess you fooled me, buddy. But, uh, That's I was but, probably you know, business open, Bruce, and not personal. Yes, yes, I got you. I got yeah. you, John. What? What's? Did yeah. Did Ron come to you with this stuff and say, "Hey, other financial, we should talk to financial advisors about this stuff"? Because Ron has always done the coaching, and you and you're doing the consulting, so it's kind of an interesting overlap. How did? Yeah, how did that super. conversation between the two of you get started. So when we were down in Nassau together, and you know, when was that? It was um, in the spring. It was uh, it was in March, March twenty three. Yeah, so okay, that's um, it struck a chord with me because you know when I think of when I started advisor growth, I I had a similar mindset. I was very worried about um, just having the lights on. Like you, you, (laughs) someone told me this Philip Halaby, if you know who he is. Oh, I know Philip. He's great. This great great story. The great guys. Yeah. Right. he said this great line. He's like, you're, you're never truly an entrepreneur until you put your payroll on a credit card. And, and I actually did it, right? So it's like, <laughs> but my mindset back then was I was running really hard. And the same thing as Ron is like, if I just get another uh, advisor to hire us, if I just do this, if I just do this, I was so, what was making me run really hard was getting, it was like, and I loved it and I hated it at the same time was the, 
the art of the chase felt really good to get a new client, but it's incredibly stressful to get there. And what was driving me was like pure failure. It was a powerful motivator. Like I can tell you stories. Even when I started the company, Rudy Adolph, Focus Financial, told me I was going to fail. I hated that, right? So I just, I was driven by- Why did Rudy say that to you? He did. It was a long time ago, but Rudy did say that. And, you know, Rudy said, a great level of success, more power to him. But, but why did he say that to you? Because he, he was, he, I think he, you know, he knew me, he liked me. And I think he was just worried about me trying to do something that he thought would just be, you know, an unbelievable challenge. So he motivated me to help me, you know, more critical thinking to think through um, the opportunity set. And it just drove me to like work hard because I was just like, you know, that's some people are like that. You tell them they can't do something, they rubber band the other way and do whatever it takes to win. And I'm kind of like that. So that that drove me for many, many, many years. Um, and so what Ron was saying, like struck a chord for me. And, um, you know, fast forwarding to today, I mean, I run my business a little bit differently. It, and for me, it's more of a reinvestment equation. Like we have a team around me. I, you know, I, I don't think of, I think of we, which is a, an abundance kind of mindset. I don't worry about my outcome. I'm more concerned about my team's outcome. I think the lesson for advisors, you know, the audience here are financial advisors is, you know, we've worked with hundreds of firms and a lot of owners, you know, kind of go one way or another. It's either you're running your business with anxiety and fear. And I want to hold on to what I have whatever that means to you. It could be clients, could be assets, could be revenue versus, you know, more of this forward thinking abundance piece where it's beyond the founder or the owner and thinking of outcomes around you, not um, for you. So, and I think if you get there, you get fantastic benefits. I think it's greater satisfaction professionally um, and what I've learned is the more I invest and the more we try to do the right thing for our constituencies, the more successful the business actually becomes. So it works. And what do you mean by this forward thinking abundance? What is, because I, I, I get fear and anxiety. I know that very, very well, uh, <laughs> you know, but forward thinking and abundance, what? Yeah, I think what tactically that how that, how that breaks out is or tactically maybe had to think about it is more you know if you're an owner and have an ownership group is is thinking through where your firm wants to go and articulating that and it, it's usually not a math equation it's usually who are we serving and why ron can speak to this because it's so clear person and then working backwards to figure out well what do we do now to propel the business and how do we reinvest in it versus you know, the other way would be, hey, what is our budget? You know, how much money do we want to make in a couple of years? And, you know, how do we constitute that math equation? So we're in, you know, we're, get, we're getting an owner return. Like think, you know, the, your EBITDA, your compensation, whatever that is, which to me should not be the driving force. It should be the outcome. So right. a lot of- Ron, anything to add to that? No, I just laughing when John was talking about Rudy, uh, was Rudy's it's had a huge outcome. But Joe Duran was here in Omaha trying to get at one point me to merge my company and be president of the United Capital. And I really, by the way, I think Joe's um was very insightful and and incredibly um driven and smart. 
But he made a comment to me that was really fuel for me as he said, you'll never, you really don't understand the complexity of what it takes to grow beyond where you're at. And he was right, by the way. I did not, at the time I was like 3 billion. uh, I had no idea what was in uh, for the future, but here's what I can, and I love what John just said, because this, this is, this is how it's literally worked out is when you attract people through that have this, this mindset and we've built a community second to none. I would just promise anybody listening to that, that that is true. You're able to have this incredible bottoms up innovation where people are looking at it through the lens of the community, not their self. And, and, then, and then allowing the freedom for the top to have this incredible top-down ideation for things that we don't even know is possible. And I always use the iPhone. We didn't know we, we wanted an iPhone until we had an iPhone. And a lot of the complexity falls away. I think where businesses get in trouble is they do make things really complex, complex for the stakeholders, complex for the client, complex for the partners. And we've really worked hard, not that a lot of the, what we deal with doesn't have a fair degree of complexity, but when you've got a really powerful community around you, surrounding you, supporting you, that have has equity in the future, and they really did join with this mindset of love, abundance, and awe versus fear and scarcity, it really does make a difference on how you can grow and how much fun you can have while you grow. I tell people all the time, like, how are you doing? I feel like I'm a nine-year-old on Christmas Eve. You know, because that was my favorite, favorite day of the year was Christmas Eve, waiting for Santa Claus to come. And I've been able to surround myself with people in love that I care and they care about me that allows for me to live that, that day, probably 300 plus days a year, which I'd say is a, is a win. And I want that for all of my partners. Hmm. So I got to break out my crystals then, Ron, what you're saying when I, next time I call up a company and ask them why they have a financial advisor who stole a bunch of money. From people. Yeah. Is, is, is that what you're telling me? Well, I, I forgot that. I mean, I don't understand the relationship to stealing money. <laughs> no, I'm just talking about my job because my job, there's a lot of conflict, you know? Yeah. And, and well, your job is to, is to, is to have readers, right? At, at yes. almost any cost, right? Whatever the headline is. Well, no, and, it has to be accurate. I well, mean, I'm not us, saying that's accurate, some dude, but you know. you're definitely going to go. Like I read the one just the other day. I think it was you or somebody else that, you know, the wealth advisor killed his client. Yeah, that's not what we're about. <laughs> we're definitely about, you know, how do, we, how do we constantly elevate our value proposition and ex- surprise and delight the people we serve? And that means the internal stakeholders at Carson, the partners we have, and most importantly, the um the people we serve, the people that have entrusted their financial futures, you know, to all of us. So let me ask you guys one more question before we go. What are you guys doing right now, Ron at at, at Carson, and then John more widely? And I know Ron, you love the coaching so much. What are you What are you doing to spread this this message or make it practical or, you know, put it in front of other RIAs and financial advisors out there? You know, I am in the midst of, I've been working on it um, all year, a new book. And uh, oh, I just got to decide when I'm going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a different book than anything I've, 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 I've written. Um, and then, uh, and then really Bert just coming in and you know, on the, on the operation side and the tactical side of the business. Uh, and I'd say we've really, you know, we've divided and conquering, you know, what we, what we want to, 
what we want to build and how we can take it to the next level. Bert is so positive. Uh, yes. A guy. I mean, it's, it's almost impossible not to get positive vibes off the guy, you know, when you're talking. The guy has him amazing or, energy. Or really yeah, is. the energy of yeah. the guy is just incredible. Um, Cause I've seen him, I've talked, chatted with him in person and I've seen him on the stage at the LPL meetings and man, he's always exuding that stuff. You know, it's that energy, as you say, John, how about for you? Yeah, I think for, for me, it's, it's more about increasing the impact. So, you know, as a management consulting firm, working with advisors, we have to, you know, drink our own Kool-Aid, so to speak. So for me, where I'm spending my time is, is really working with my team and develop, developing them. We have a young team. Um, and my, my dream, my hope is, you know, by developing them, we can make even a bigger impact. So that's just like do more. And then, you know, the other thing that's important to me is I think just making contact, like I'm, I'm going to spend a lot more time with writing, doing things like this, and then getting out there. I, I think it, it was interesting to me. I was really, you know, maybe not thinking that getting out there and visiting clients, going to industry events was that important because we've all been conditions uh, to use forms like this or Zoom or whatever. And it's, and it's efficient and it's tech savvy and all these things. But I, but I also think our business in the end is also relational. So I'm going to get out there and that's how I'm going to you know, spread this, this message. So it's at conferences, broad base, and then you know, one engagement on a top at a time because I'm still you know, working closely with advisors. So that's what, I'm, that's what I'll be doing. Yeah, that's great. I think anything to, to, to help people think about their uh, fears and anxieties and, and the like, you know, that part of the mind, um, you know, and looking how to uh, perceive that differently or go about your business differently or anything and turn things into more positive. Uh, it's, it's really, really uh, important. I think um, it's an important uh, endeavor and uh, you guys sound like you're on your way to uh, tackling this issue because we want people to feel good, right? At the end of the day, yeah, I think right. that's right, Bruce. Maybe one more thought, closing thought. Me, Ron has more sure. to you, but it, just today, it's a, you know, I had a, a conversation with a potential new client that was referred by another client, well-known advisor, uh, ten years ago, who told a story of how you know how I did strategic planning not only for his firm but for him as a founder, like how to think through you know, growing the business, doing the right thing with the team and getting just a great outcome for himself and his spouse and, and his family. And, and he told his story with this prospect who called me and you know, hopefully we get hired because I, I just love doing stuff like that. So that's like, that's why I'm in it, you know, to get those outcomes. So yeah, that's exciting for me. So yeah, I think it really what you're saying there. That's great. Ron, anything else? Yeah, I just, there's such a vibe change going on in the planet. You know, you talked about anxiety. The whole planet is hyper, uh, as, has hyper anxiety today, I'd say more than ever. And there's just a lot going on. Yeah. And people are, um, are just, they have such a thirst for connection and living, living energetically different than they're living today because it's not serving. There's a lot of people it's not serving. And we want to change that. That's great. That's, that's fantastic. So guys, just again, hang in there if you could. Uh, we want to we thank our special guests this week, Ron Corson and John Fury. 
of course, launching every uh, every other Monday. It's another episode of the Investment News Podcast. We want to thank our sponsor, Charles Schwab Asset Management. You can find the podcast at investmentnews.com, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Leave us a review on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Uh, if you're still on uh, Twitter, hit me up at, at BD News Guy and stay tuned. We'll be talking to you in a couple of weeks.